0: the ground rules for the next the next eight weeks together as we unpack truth in here first off no passive aggressive nonsense and here's what i mean by that uh don't like clear your throat like right those kinds of things loud audible sighs like (sighs) you know mumbling to yourself right of like what'd you say nothing nothing why you know no passive aggressive nonsense Number two, rule number two, don't weaponize truth, all right? So this means like no shots to the ribs, <clears throat> you know, like those kinds of things. No, uh, no sermon review sessions in the car, like you, know, you get in the car, you turn the car on, it's like, I've got a few things I'd like to talk about, right? So hold off on those kinds of things. No sermon review sessions in the car, right? No, see, I, I told you so, or like, gosh, I guess you really are that bad, right? None of that. Um, this one's a big one, too. You are not his or her, Holy Spirit, right? So again, there's a lot of times we go, Well, you know, let, let me let me tell you what God is trying to say to you, right? Like you're just not listening. Or here's what God says about you, or or here's what God says need to change, needs to change in you. Don't do that, right? You're not his or her Holy Spirit, right? And this goes for both men and women in the room the fastest way. The fastest way to kind of shut things down, to get each other to to wall up, to kind of harden our hearts towards each other, to to plug our ears is to do any and all of what I just mentioned. And a lot of us, right, men, women, like kids and grownups, I'm sure, here's the deal, you came in today maybe cautiously optimistic, maybe even hopeful, right, that, that there's some good stuff that can come out of the next several weeks of unpacking this stuff together, but let me just tell you right now, the fastest way to derail and short circuit Anything good, right, is to do this, right? So don't, so don't do that, right? Don't weaponize truth. Don't get passive aggressive, and don't try to be each other's Holy Spirit, right? So these are kind of the don'ts. Here are the things that we are to do. Okay, so again, rules. Pray, pray for your, pray for yourself. You're allowed to do that, right? I just want you to know that you're allowed to pray for yourself and others, right? You want Jesus to be able to speak into your life. You want, to, you want the Holy Spirit to begin to soften your heart, open your ears and your eyes to, to some truth, right? And here's the deal. It doesn't matter if you're dating, if you're married, if you're engaged, or if you're single, right? Here's the truth. You can still pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal in you and to reveal in other people where there's work that needs to be done. Because guess what? All of us are still works in progress, okay? So pray for yourself. Pray for others. Offer encouragement, grace, and mercy, right? That's what we want to offer to one another. So saying things like, hey, listen, I know this isn't easy. I know this isn't easy, but don't quit. Don't give up, right? Keep pressing in, keep pressing on. Don't quit, don't give up. Next one, have honest conversations with each other without playing offense or defense, right? Instead of saying things like, you know, well, what I hope you heard today was this, right? Say things like, hey, can we talk about, can we sit down at some point today or, or maybe later on tonight? Can we talk about what stood out to each other? Can we talk about what we heard? Christy and I, uh, when we lived in Colorado, um, we'd been married about two years. Our families helped move us out to Colorado. They, they walked us into the house that we bought, um, helped us unpack, and then left and shut the door. And we kind of looked at each other and said, hey, we, we dated for a year A couple years, we were engaged for about a year, we've been married for two years, and we barely even know each other apart from kind of living in and around our families. And so we figured out real quick, like, we got to get some stuff sorted. So we saw a marriage counselor when we lived in Colorado who taught us some amazing things. Uh, One of the things that she taught us was this. When it comes to conversations, use I, me, we language, not you them they language like here's here's the here's an example of what this looks like you could say things like listen i feel sad when communication between us breaks down that sounds different from hey when you check out and stop communicating you abandon your family right sounds a lot different than that like hey listen i feel sad it makes me feel scared i feel distant right when when you when our communication isn't what it needs to be here's the deal when we do this one of those ways of communication is going to keep everybody at the table. It's going to keep the conversation going. The other way, will shut it down before it even starts, right? So just some quick ground rules before we dive in today. And if we can commit to doing those, here's the deal. We're going to be in good shape. If you don't, it's going to be a red card. I'll put you in timeout, which means you have to sit on the front row with Drew, right? And I'll just make, I'll just make heavy eye contact with you the whole time. And you'll be like, it was like he was talking right at us. Because I am, right? Like I was a youth pastor for almost 20 years. I see you, right? And even when you don't think I see you, I see you. So let's pray and then we're going to dive in together. All right, Jesus, you're good. And this morning we want to respond to your truth, what you want. Because Jesus, we read in your word and you tell us that what you desire for us is not to, is not to, to limit us. It's not to uh, to take things away from, it's not to, to to kill or 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 take away fun or enjoyment or goodness. You you tell us that that you came, the reason you came was to give us life to the full, an abundant life. And that life to the full happens when we stay connected to you and your truth. So Jesus, I pray today for, for, for the marriages in the room, for the parents in the room, for those of us in the room that are single, God, I pray today that you would open our eyes, that you would soften our hearts, that you would open our ears, and Spirit, you would speak into us over the next few weeks and, and today as we unpack your truth and as we unpack your word. About what does it look like? What does it look like for, for, for us to be who you say we need to be? And then the effects, the ramifications, right? The, the, the good consequences that come from leaning into and living into who you designed us to be, who you thought us up uh, to be. So we pray that, Jesus, in your name. Everybody said amen. All right, grab your Bibles. Uh, you're going to need your Bibles with you today, right? Grab your Bibles. We're going to jump around a little bit. Um, but we're going to start out in the New Testament, First Corinthians chapter 16. Um, so, Probably about 75, 80, percent of the way through your Bible, or if you got your Bible out. First Corinthians chapter 16, uh, starting in verse 13. I'm reading out of the ESV, so if your translation's a little different, that's okay. Here's what it says. It says this. It says, be watchful, verses 13 and 14. It says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Be strong and let all that you do be done in love. Now here's the deal. We're going to break this verse down here in just a minute. We're going to look at all these different kind of individual parts. But the guy that wrote this was a guy named Paul. We've talked about him a lot. Paul was someone who back in this day, right, he would go around to different cities and communities, right, like this. And and he would find families, like groups of believers like this. And he would help them to begin to meet together. And he would establish what we would call churches, which is just people that believe in Jesus, Meeting together and doing life together, right? That's what this was. And so he wrote this letter to, to, to this church, this family of believers in Corinth. And we talked about this letter last week, right, on Vision Sunday. This letter was really essentially kind of lined out to be, hey, in light of what you believe to be true about Jesus, The fact that Jesus lived a perfect life, the fact that Jesus died on a cross, broke the power of sin in your life, that they buried him in a tomb, and three days later he walked out of that tomb alive, broke the power of death in your life. In light of that, in light of what you believe to be true about Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, here's what life looks like. Right? Here's how to live out your faith, or here's how to be faithful in a way that other people can see it. Right? That's kind of why Paul is writing this letter to this group of people in this place called Corinth. Right? And, and this part that we're reading right here in chapter 16 is kind of like his final instructions. It's how you close a letter. And you know this, like, if, you're, if you're sending a letter to someone, especially like an email or a text message, that's going to go through some instructions of like, this is how you do this, how you close that is really important right you want to make sure that the things that, that you've said all throughout whatever text or email you've sent that you want to make, hey let me just tie all this together make sure you're getting this right so these these verses come out of Paul's final instructions to this family of believers in a place called Corinth and so those final instructions are critical they're not just flyover verses they're critical because he's going to tie in all of the truth that he unpacked the first 15 chapters right and so The cool thing about these verses, though, is that they're a callback to a few different moments and a few different verses in the Old Testament. The language that Paul used is really similar, and it's kind of meant and intended to get across the same kind of point, right? So, uh, again, if you want to flip there, you can. If not, it's not going to be on the screen. Joshua chapter 1, all the way back in the Old Testament, kind of the beginning of the Old Testament, right? The first third. Here's what it says, right? Joshua chapter 1 says this, starting in verse 6, says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. So God is speaking with Joshua. Right? Joshua is getting ready to lead, like across the finish line, lead the people of, of Israel into the promised land that God had decided to give them. right? That God said, listen, I'm going to give you this. And here's what he says. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good, good success wherever you go. And then God says, have I not commanded you? Rhetorical question, right? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Like Joshua 1, similar language, similar point that Paul's trying to get across to the men in this family of believers in Corinth. Another moment, 1 Kings chapter two, right? Here's what it says. Starting in verse one, it says, when David's time to die drew near, so David had been the king of Israel, right? David being the king of Israel, his time to die is drawing near. Is at the end of his life. He commanded Solomon, his son, the heir to the throne, he commanded him saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. So Solomon, be strong, and show yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes and his commandments and his rules and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses. Why? So that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. So what I want to do today, just kind of in the intro, right? Today's just kind of the intro of all of this, we're just going gonna, to gonna do like a 30,000-foot flyover of, of some ground that we're going to be covering over the next several weeks. But I want to point out a few things real fast that, that take place in these verses. Like there's some common threads uh, that really is going to set up what we're going to talk about today and for the next several weeks. So number one, first off, these moments, they're challenges to men. Specifically, right? So a lot of times in the Bible you'll see the word man, right? And that word "man," in a lot of occasions is mankind, right? So it's talking to men and women, right? But in this case, in these verses, these are specific challenges to men, and they're all coming from somebody who's in a place of authority. Someone who's in a place of authority, whether they're the king, uh, right? whether it's God himself, right? And here's what they're doing. They're either passing on. Or they're loaning authority out to them as a part of their roles, expectations, and their responsibilities for men. Now, here's the deal. Don't, don't take this off for just a second. The way we take notes at Adventure, right? If you, if, you're, like, if you can scribble as fast as I can talk, you're amazing, right? But the way we take notes at Adventure is just grab a screenshot. So there are going to be a couple of times I'm going to go, hey, listen, grab your phones, take a picture of this. So you just may want to have them ready, okay? But this is kind of the first common thread in all of this. So let's kind of let's, let's take these apart. In Paul's case... Like, what he's doing, Paul is the leader, right, the expansion of the movement of Jesus. Like I said before, he's helping to kind of plant and establish these churches, these communities of believers in cities all over the world. And what they did was those communities, they looked to Paul as an authority, he was their teacher. He was, he was the one that guided them. And Paul, what he would do is he would often write to churches from other places. And in this case, in, in 1 Corinthians, he's writing to the believers in Corinth from a place called Ephesus, which is about 240 miles away. So Paul, from a place of authority gives a challenge and gives a charge to the men in this kind of Corinthian family of believers to step into their roles and the sets of responsibilities and the expectations that they were meant for, number one, and that the church needed them to do, right? We need you to take on these responsibilities, men. And so what I want to do is I want to break this apart so you kind of have an understanding of what Paul is saying. So he says, be watchful. Stand firm, act like men, be strong, and do everything out of love. So again, you get your phones out, take pictures. This word be watchful, or this phrase, be watchful, is a Greek phrase, right, that we translate into English, in English as be watchful. But the way the people back in this day would have heard it was, you better pay attention, and you better take this seriously, because if you don't, something or someone can overtake you and destroy you and everyone connected to you. So this is a Greek phrase, right, that carries a whole lot more weight than just be watchful. It's listen, take this seriously and you better pay attention. Why? If you don't, there are dire consequences, right? Be watchful. That's the first thing he says. The second thing Paul says, stand firm, which stand firm means this to persist or persevere, to be stationary, to be unmovable. So pay attention. Take it seriously persist, things are going to get difficult, persevere, when things get hard, don't give up, be unmovable, don't move, don't give ground, don't compromise, why? Because if you compromise in one area of your life, it's just a matter of time before you start compromising in others, right, that's what that means. And then he says this, act like men, which means this in the Greek, be brave, be active, right? The opposite of act like men is to be weak and passive, Right, so I think it's important. We're gonna unpack that a little bit here in just a minute, too. But he says, act like men. Well, what does that mean? Be brave and be active. Right? Be active. There's action. Men are to be action-oriented, right? The opposite is to be weak and passive. And then he closes with this: be strong, which means to increase and grow in strength. It means this: to get stronger. To not just get to a point to go, like, I think I'm strong enough. Right? I think I'm good. In a couple of weeks, we'll talk about what happens when we think we're strong enough and somebody stronger comes along. So this is say, listen, don't ever stop honing your craft. Don't ever stop working those muscles. Don't ever stop growing in your strength and in that ability, right? So that's what Paul had to say to the men in Corinth, right? And that's what that means. So, so for Joshua, let's, let's dive into this. Moses. Moses, who is you know, the leader of the Israelite people, the guy that came in and he and God defeated the most powerful person on the planet. He led them out of slavery 400 years into the desert. They, they, they wandered for 40 years. Moses just died. Can you imagine that? Like, The person that's going to step into those shoes, those are some big shoes to fill. Joshua is the guy that's chosen to do that. Chosen to take over as the leader of this kind of wilderness travel party. And God, what he's doing is he's loaning Joshua authority at the critical time that he actually, they're actually going to finally, after 440 years, cross into the promised land after wandering in the desert and living in slavery. And there's a charge and there's a challenge from God to Joshua. God is in authority. Joshua is stepping into authority. And here's what God's charge is. Take on the responsibilities that that an entire nation is expecting you to take on. Step into the responsibilities, roles, and expectations that an entire nation of people needs you to do, right? And here's what he says. He says, be strong. Similar, to grow stronger, right? It means to harden, to toughen up, to gut up. Get stronger. Don't ever stop. It's an ongoing process. It's not like, hey, get to a place where you're strong enough and then stop. No, always work on getting stronger. Be courageous. Be alert. In the Hebrew, it means be alert, pay attention, be brave. God says, don't be dismayed or frightened, be unmovable. That's what that means. Why? Because I'm with you wherever you go. And I love this phrase in the Hebrew. It means the whole of every moment, right? Which means this: that there's not a nanosecond that God is going to be apart or away from Joshua. And this echoes even what Jesus says in the Great Commission. He says, go make disciples, and I'll be with you. I promise I'll be with you to the end of the age, which means I will never leave you. Be strong, be courageous. And then in this first king's passage, right, Solomon, right, David, who's, who's the most famous king of all, right, in Israel, he's dying. Solomon, his heir to the throne, right, and as David is dying, he's passing on his authority to his son. And he says this, be strong and show yourself to be a man, which that means to be the chief servant, to be the champion, and to be mighty. Be a chief servant, be, be a champion, be mighty, and keep the charge the Lord, your God. you're God. You're starting to see a pattern here, right? There's a pattern emerging. And one commentary I read this week kind of unpacked this verse by saying this. David, what he did was he told Solomon to courageously face the various tasks and difficulties and danger that came with being the king, right? And to do that with courage, but your courage, that source, the direction and the activity, all of that is based on the word of God. And that is the only means, that is the only way of being successful. To use your authority, to take courage, to step into your role, responsibility, and expectations based on any activity, any action you assume, any activity you engage in, it all has to be based in, rooted in the word of God if you want to be successful. So basically it's this, take courage from truth and nowhere else. So the common threads in these few verses are this. It's a charge to men from somebody in a place of authority to fully step into their God-given and God-designed roles, responsibilities, and expectations that other people are depending on them to do because if they don't, kingdoms, communities, families, people, they're left exposed to chaos, pain, and destruction. No big deal. That's what happens if you don't. Kingdoms, communities, families, people, they're left exposed to chaos, pain, and destruction. Now, it'd be really easy, fellas, if we could just stop at, hey, guys, be strong. It'd be easy if we could just say, hey, be brave, fellas. Be brave, men, as you leave here today. Show yourself, men, to be real men. Be alert. Be active. Be real men. And we all go, Okay. And we go home and we know exactly how to do this. But here's the other issue. As I was reading through some of these verses this week and kind of studying them and preparing for today, what I realized is that these three moments that we just unpacked, really, they're just a handful. There, there's, there's so many more moments like this in Scripture. But, but catch this, all right? These three moments happen hundreds of years apart from each other. Meaning this, the same issue that we face today people have been facing for centuries, and that's this. Men throughout history have lost track of who they were designed to be and they've let go of what they're supposed to do. There's this point in time Whether it's a series of events that happen where instead of being alert, being unmovable, being active, being brave, men that are always trying to grow stronger, men have become lazy, unaware, compromising, inactive, and fearful, and they settle and they allow themselves to become weak. And when that happens, kingdoms, communities, families, and people are left exposed to chaos, pain, and destruction. You see that anywhere? Is that happening anywhere on our planet? How about everywhere? And so it is. Like, what are we supposed to do? It would be real easy if I could just go, hey, guys, be strong, be alert, be men. We go, got it. But here's what happens. Mike Tyson said this, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And it goes right out the window. Like, we can stack hands We can stack hands in here today, this morning. Guys, we come back tonight. We can stack hands in here tonight and go, we got this, we got this. And we go out and life is going to kick us square in the teeth. And that plan goes right out the window. That's been happening time and time and time again. Something has to change. I mean, Jesus even said to his disciples, look, in this world, it's not you might. Well, there's a moment when he says, no, you will have trouble. But take heart, he says, I've overcome the world. There's going to be a moment. Jesus looked at his, these young men that were his disciples and said, hey, you're going to get punched in the mouth. But remember me when that happens. Remember who I am. Remember my truth. Remember the things that I've taught you. Remember how, you, how you've seen me live my life. Remember that. And before we go any further, I want to kill one of the elephants in the room, of a lot of elephants, right? And hang with me on this one, all right? The opposite of being a man isn't being a woman. Now, don't freak out. And go, what has he been listening to, right? Like, don't freak out. If we were just talking about gender and biology, you would be 1,000% correct, right? The opposite of a man, biologically speaking, is a woman and vice versa, right? There are two genders. That's it. But we're talking about more than just biology and body parts, right? So let me say this, there are women in this world, there are women in this city, in this community, there are women in this church, there's one in my house, that are anything but lazy, unaware, compromising, inactive, fearful, and weak. Guys, my guess is there's at least one in your house. Women are anything but lazy, unaware, compromising, inactive, fearful, and weak. Those things are not descriptors and traits or characteristics of women. And the church has weaponized that. The church has taken that and weaponized that against women, and that's not who adventure is, right? In adventure, we have warrior queens as our women in this church, right? And men, if you're going to have a warrior queen in your life, you better be a warrior king, right? I mean, that's one of the things I love about my wife. Like, something happened in my, in, in, like, Christy, I don't know that she ever really wanted to be a pastor's wife. Just kind of like for me, I didn't always want to be a pastor. I kind of ran from it for a really long time. And then really, when we, like, our first few years in ministry together, like, people are mean. Church people are some of the meanest people on the planet, right? And things would get said about me or things would happen. She'd be like, oh, my gosh, oh, my god!" Like, this is, we got to get out of this. This is horrible. Here's Christy's reaction now. This is what I love about my wife. Something's happened in the last few years, even really, I think, as we stepped in here at Adventure, like, God just changed something in her life. And there's a line in the movie 300, right, where, where Leonidas is, where the queen, right, looks at Leonidas, King Leonidas, as he's going off to war, and says this, you either come back with your shield or on it, but don't quit. And I love that that's the way my wife looks at me on, every morning that I leave the house to come here to work, or on Sunday mornings when I'm coming to preach, Brad, you take your shield with you, and you don't let that go. You either come back with it or on it. You give your life for this, or you come back with your shield still intact. Women are not weak. Women are not lazy. They're not unaware. They're not compromising, right? Women are some of the strongest and the bravest people in our lives, and warrior queens deserve all the honor and respect that warrior kings can give. Here's the opposite, right? The opposite of biblical manhood and biblical masculinity is being a little boy. That's the opposite. Lacking in biblical masculinity is lacking in the strength and the maturity and the courage to step into the responsibilities of being a man. And we're gonna dive more into that in the next few weeks, what that means, what responsibility means. It hit me this week, and again, this is just how my brain works. The word responsibility, if you just kind of make two words out of it, response ability, it's your ability to respond to all of the stuff that hits your life, your willingness to be able to respond to all the stuff that hits your life. That's what responsibility is. We're gonna talk more about that next week. But I want to make something really clear today. We are not saying that bravery, courage, strength, alertness, and being active are only things that men can embody. That's not what we're saying. What we are saying is that in men, having those or not having those, or choosing to grow in those or not, that's what separates men from boys. And let's be real. Some of us we are little boys trapped in grown men's bodies. And if we were really honest with ourselves, we've been asking ourselves these questions like, why, how come I can't get past the struggles that I have in my life? How come it's the same cycle of sin and addiction and behavior? How come I can't get past this, right? A lot of us in this room, we've been dealing with the same struggles for years and years and years and it hasn't changed. And there's probably also a reason, right, that the same kind of junk keeps hitting our families, the same kind of crap just keeps hitting their lives too. The reason for that is inside this grown man exterior is a little boy who's not willing to step into his roles and his expectations and his responsibilities, and as a result, your life is left open to chaos, pain, and destruction, and because you're not who they need you to be, you're exposing their lives to chaos, pain, and destruction. The people who are counting on you and depending on you, you can't man up, because on the inside, you're still a little boy. And trust me, I've been there too. That's a, that's a, that's a, a critical but extremely difficult aha moment. So how are we gonna tackle all this, right? How are we gonna, how are we going to become men, fathers, husbands, boyfriends, grandfathers, uncles, et cetera, that, that heed the call, that accept the challenge, and step fully into these God-designed and God-given roles, expectations, and responsibilities that people in our life are depending us, depending on us to do, right? Wouldn't it be great? Let me just ask you this, and, and ladies, do your best to contain, right? Wouldn't it be best if men came with an operator's manual? Yes. We just went, yes. Guys, you're like, a what? Right? Let me just, It's the booklet that comes with literally everything that you've ever purchased, either probably of A, never read, or B, thrown away. Right? And here's what an opera's manual does. It explains the right way and the wrong ways to use whatever it is that it came with. Right? And get this. It was written by the people that made and designed whatever it is who know and can say what's right and what's wrong when it comes to however to use whatever it is. Now, again, this is kind of the intro week. We're just setting some things up. And I'm going to use a couple of metaphors right here in just a minute that I, that I learned from my friend, stealing, borrowing from my friend Jim out in Colorado. But it's going to set the stage for the next several weeks, right? And, and the reason I'm doing this is because, guys, I'm going to use metaphors because we need pictures to understand things, right? If you throw a bunch of words at us, we're like, too much. But if you show us a picture, that's why, like, dudes, I'm sure, were responsible for a lot of cave drawings. Like, man, right? Like, we like pictures. Jesus knew this, too. That's why he used these things called parables. So I'm going to show you just just a couple excerpts from a couple of of the instruction manuals, owner's manuals, operator's manuals, and some things at my house that I grabbed. So the first one is this. Every man needs a chainsaw. When you open a chainsaw instruction manual, the first thing, it does not throw any words at you, men. It just gives you six pictures. Like, this is not that, it's like, here's what you need. Like, and you, you can read this and go, look. It's like, I need, here's a man like me. He's wearing a hat and glasses and, and, and ear coverings and gloves and boots. I need to dress like him, Right? And then it goes through, like, here's how you start it, and here's how, you don't, here's how you carry it. and Make sure you don't do these kinds of things. But after the pictures, it, it gives us words. And we're like, daggone, like, just stick with the pictures, right? Here's what it says, right? Just the, some of the highlights of the, 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 the chainsaw operator's manual. We can go to the next. Here you go. So the first one is this. All operators should read this manual carefully before using the chainsaw and only use this machine for usage specifically mentioned in the manual. So the first thing it tells you to do is, hey, you should read this and don't use your chainsaw for anything other than what it says to use it for. The second one is this. Do not operate this machine when tired or under the influence of any substances, drugs, alcohol, which can impair vision, dexterity, or judgment. How many of us have ever chainsawed tired? Right Or at some point you get tired when you're, it's like, don't, don't chainsaw when sleepy. Now, this next one, I had to read this next one like three times because I stopped at, don't operate the chainsaw naked. <laughs> and I went, makes sense, right? <laughs> Seems like there's a lot of risk there, right? Or maybe not so much in some cases. But anyway... Don't operate the chainsaw. Then, then I went, then I read it again, right? Then, then I read it, don't operate a chainsaw near those that are naked. And again, went, makes sense, right? A lot could go wrong. And then finally, I slowed down long enough to go, do not operate a chainsaw naked near a naked flame or spirit fuel. Only operate the chainsaw outside and in well-ventilated areas, right? That's just basic instructions of a chainsaw. Now, this next one, and I was telling the, the, the crew earlier this morning, the... Um, the, the, the Chinese spy balloon that, that flew over, the, it could not have been a better week to start a man series for a sermon illustration, because the next one we're going to talk about is a bow and arrow, right? Uh, it says this, bows and arrows are not toys. For maximum safety and enjoyment, always exercise caution and common sense when shooting any bow. How many of us dudes thought that that, that balloon, if that goes over my house, I got this, Right? I got this. I'll do this, right? And here's the thing. You get a bow and arrow, and the first question you ask yourself is what? How far does it shoot? And the only way to figure that out is to do what? Shoot it straight up in the air and watch it. go, whoa. And then you, oh, it's coming back. You know, it's like, oh, it's getting smaller. Oh, it's getting bigger, right? Like, that's kind of what we do. That's, again, bow and arrow, basic safety. Uh, Here's the next one. Push mower. I read this. This was, in a, this was in a push mower, like a lawnmower FAQ support thing. Like if your mower isn't working right. Someone literally asked this question. If you turn on a lawnmower and put it upside down, it doesn't take off. Which means this. Some dude was outside mowing his grass with his push mower and a helicopter flew by and he went, Huh. I wonder if... And tried to fly off with his lawnmower. It's like, no, like the, in the instruction manual it says, please keep the wheels and the blades like pointed to the ground, right? Don't try to turn your push mower into a helicopter. And then this, this, past, this past hunting season, I bought a new rifle. Um, it's been a while since I've purchased a new rifle. I've been using my grandfather's 3030. Um, and so I, I wanted to get a new rifle. I got a Savage Axis. It's a 308. It's awesome. It's a howitzer. Uh, it just destroys deer when it hits them. Uh, there's nothing left, it's just vapor trails, right? Um, But here's the deal. I I grabbed that manual. I grabbed that instruction manual and and it said something. It goes through the the 10 commandments of gun safety. And number four for me kind of stood out. It says this. Be sure of your target and what's beyond it. Why? No one can call a bullet back. Don't shoot unless you know exactly what your bullet is going to strike. Be sure that your bullet will not injure anyone or anything beyond the target. You should keep in mind how far a bullet will travel if it misses your intended target or it ricochets in a different direction. And that's when it hit me. All of those things, chainsaws, bow and arrows, lawnmowers, rifles, they can all be used for good if they're used the way they're intended to be used. If they are used to do what they're designed and created for, They can all be useful, and they can all be helpful. They can all be used to protect and provide and make things better. But if they're used outside of that, if they're used outside of what they're intended for, if they're used outside of what they're designed and created for, if used in the wrong way or improperly, they can be used to hurt, harm, kill, and destroy. And now it's not a metaphor anymore. Because, men, let's face it. Whether we came home tired from a long day at the office or a long day at work, or worn out because we try to numb out all the junk that we face with booze or something else. What was meant to be helpful becomes hurtful. And there are people in our lives, and there are moments that we can recall, whether it is with our words or with our actions, in that moment of of anger or exhaustion, it was almost like we took a chainsaw to the people in our lives, and we cut them down and only left a stump. There are people, right? There are moments, there are situations that, that men, let's be honest, we try to run from and we try to escape. But a lot of the ways we try to run or escape, it's like trying to use a lawnmower as a helicopter. And what we do is this, we, we leave a path of hurt behind us. Why? Because we're not supposed to give up. We're not supposed to cave in. We're not supposed to, to run away when things get difficult. There are, peoples, there are people in our lives that have taken arrows straight to the heart from us. And, and, and fellas, there are bullets that we have fired with our words and with our actions that we can't take back. And the damage is done. And we didn't mean for it to happen. We weren't aiming for them. But somehow, they took the bullet. So how did this happen? How do we get here? Here's how. We've either never read where we stopped reading the operator's manual. We never, never opened it up. because I could figure this out, right? We thought, I can, I, can do, I can figure out what it means to be a man. I can figure out life on my own. We've toned, turned to people like Joe Rogan or Jordan Peterson or Gary V for direction and guidance on how to be men. And let me just tell you, that doesn't work. And here's the proof. The statistic right now, 50% of marriages where spouses don't pray, attend church, or read the Bible together Fail. But when married couples read the Bible, attend church, and pray together, they're 35% 35 less likely to get a divorce. It's 50-50. Or you can bring a community of faith and the operator's manual and prayer into your relationship, and that drops significantly. I read this stat. One-third of kids right now don't live with their biological father. One out of three don't live with their biological father in their home. And what they do is they report as they grow up, they report significantly higher rates of depression, substance abuse, and sexual promiscuity than in families where one or both present, parents are present and take their kids to church. Like it's dramatic. It's a dramatic shift. When men, we, we say, listen, we're going to be involved in this. We're going to get involved in this. We're going to be involved in something bigger than us. We're going to connect and plug into something bigger than us. Single parents, single moms in the room, right? Here's the deal. When you plug into a place like this, that still affects your kids. Single dads, when you plug into a place like this, the the success, right, the success rate of your child moving on in life and not experiencing depression, anxiety, or sexual promiscuity drops significantly when you get connected here at a church, suicide rates drop 68% in women and 33% in men when they read their bible and pray and connect to a church community how do we get here we either never read or we stopped reading the operator's manual and this is research y'all this is data and I know you can sit here and look at this and go, well, you know, I, I, I feel like I could do this on my own. Let me just tell you the truth. Facts don't care about your feelings. It's fact. And men, here's the truth. Fake it till you make it won't work when it comes to our God-designed and God-given roles, responsibilities, and expectations. And that is the proof, and there's more where that came from. Those actually are kind of the easy, like, those are the ones that aren't that bad in comparison. And so what do we have to do? We have to go back to an operator's manual. Men, families, marriages, husbands, wives, boyfriends. We got to go back to the operator's manual. And yes, we have one. And I know it's a cheesy preacher illustration, but we've got one. Here's what Paul says in, in 2 Timothy. He says, all scripture, the operator's manual, is breathed out by God, the one that designed you and knows what's right and what's wrong. And he says this, it's profitable for teaching, which is to show you how you work best. And reproof, which means this, an honest inspection of your life. For correction, for fixing what's broken or out of alignment. And for training in righteousness, practicing to use all that you are and all that God entrusted you with the way he designed it all to work. That's what that means. And then get this, right? So that the man of God... May be complete and equipped for every good work, which means this, men, whole, faithful, intentional, purposeful, and on mission. Men, there's a manual, and it's called the Bible, and it shows us the truth of how we work. And it helps us to honestly inspect our lives so we can fix what's broken or what's out of alignment. So that we can put new ways of living into practice that will lead us to become people who are whole, faithful, intentional, purposeful, and on mission. Just guys, show of hands, who here thinks that sounds awesome? To be purposeful, intentional, and on mission. Again, show of hands, who could could use something like that in their life right now? All right, ladies, if you're married to a man, dating a man, engaged to a man, if you're raising young men, if you work or interact with men, show of hands, how many of you would want the man that you're married to, dating, engaged to, or the men that you're raising or the men you interact with every day, a worker at school, how many of you, show of hands again, would want for them to be or become men that know the truth of what's right or wrong, who are humble enough to inspect their own lives, to see what's not working, right, and make adjustments to work on that, to fix that, to bring things that are broken out of alignment who who aren't perfect, but they're committed to learning and training to be complete, intentional, on-purpose men with a mission. Show of hands, ladies. How many of you would say, that's the kind of man I'm after? That's the kind of man I want to be with. That's the kind of man I hope my son's become. Man, here's the deal. If you stop breathing, you're paying attention. If you stop breathing in this moment, that means you're paying attention because it's what we're after. And so our first resource is the Bible. But here's, there's even better news, guys, right? Not only do we have an information source, we also have a model that we can follow in what it looks like to be a man, right? You can read the manual, but you can also watch an expert at work. Here's what it says in Matthew 7. Jesus says this, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rains came, right, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat on that house, and it didn't fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock, and every word who, everybody who hears this words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Which means this. It didn't just kill the man. It affected everyone. It took everybody else with him. Why? Because the dude was foolish. Here's the truth, guys. Jesus is a man as God intended men to be. The Bible is the truth. Jesus is the way to live it. And like we say here at Adventure a Lot, you got two deals on the table. You can choose today what Jesus offers, or you can try to go it alone and figure it out for yourself. But my guess is this. The reason that some of you showed up today is that that when storms have hit your life in the past, things have collapsed in on you and your family. And my guess is this. It probably wasn't just you that got hurt. And so there are some of us sitting here today that showed up Something's got to change. And so over the next few weeks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do open heart surgery, right, on every man in this place. Because inside every man, there's a heart that's beating. And every heart has four chambers. And when your heart is healthy, all four of those chambers, they work separately and collectively in their own way to push life out into your body. And the four chambers inside our hearts as men that must work separately but also together are this. King, warrior, wise man, and lover. King, which means you're a leader and a provider. You're a leader, an overseer, and a provider. Warrior means you're protector and defender of everything that is yours. All that is in your territory, you protect and you defend that. Wise man, you're a teacher and you're a coach. You're passing on the knowledge and information that you have. You're helping people to learn how to do life in a better way, right? And you're a lover. You're a servant and you're a caretaker. Scripture. Lines out the truth about these roles and these responsibilities and these expectations. And then Jesus sets the example for how to live them out for you and I to see and follow. So, guys, good news. There's words and there's a picture. Yeah, woohoo. And so, here's what we're going to do over the next eight weeks we're going to look into the Bible for truth, and then we're going to look to Jesus for how to live it out. And you may go, Brad, this sounds impossible. Good news. Jesus says this in Matthew 19. He looked at his disciples, the young men, who said the exact same thing. Jesus, this feels impossible. And he said, listen, guys, with man, you by yourself, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And we say at Adventure, our goal is to live this with God kind of life. We do life with God, God with us, us with him. And because that is available to us, men and women, through Jesus, all things are possible. I want to share two things and we'll be done. Um, In my research this week, I I, I researched rites of passage. And we're going to talk about that here here in a few weeks. Because in the United States, really, in most developing countries right now, there's no rite of passage where, where men become boys and girls become women, or boys become men. And girls become women. There we go. I'll get it right. I'm dyslexic. Sometimes it gets backwards. There's no rites of passage, right? So there's no moment. There's no moment. There's no marker. There's no ceremony. There's nothing that you look back in your life and go, "When did you become a man?" Eh. I'm not sure. I asked a handful of students this one time, like, "When do you think you become? A, when do you think boys you become men?" And they're like, "Well, I think maybe when I turn 16, I get my driver's license." Or Maybe it's when I turn 18 and technically I'm legally an adult. Or maybe it's when I turn 21 and then I can take a drink. Or, or maybe it's when I turn 25 and I can get off my parents' insurance and rent a car. Or maybe it's when I'm married. They're not sure. That's because a lot of us, guys, like, we don't know. Like, when did you become a man? I don't know. And so I, I researched all throughout the world, and even in the, the developing world and tribal cultures especially, there are rites of passage where, where boys become men and girls become women. I got it right that time. And throughout history that's, that's happened. I, I looked at two that I found, I found really interesting. And men, here's what I want to leave you with today. I want to tell these two stories because I know men, there are a lot of us in this room today, that we walked in here, we heard what I just had to say, and you went, screw it. I'm too broken. I'm too messed up. There's no way I can get any of this back. Yeah, Brad, like Jesus says, with God, all things are possible, but he's not talking about me. So the first rite of passage is, is in the Comanche Indian tribe, Comanche Na- Native American tribe. It's called Katamiya. And so at the Comanche Indian, for the, for the boys to, to become warriors, right, the boys to become men, You have to do something. You have to hunt something. You choose an animal to hunt, but that animal has to be something that can also hunt you back. So a a mountain lion or a wolf or a bear. So you have to hunt something that can hunt you back. And the cool thing that I read about this, this Comanche tribe, right, is, is that what they say, right, when they come face to face with the prey that they've been stalking, right, this lethal beast, right, this thing that could, that could very easily kill them or wipe them out, what they say and what they're instructed to say, what the, the older warriors and the men in the tribe tell the young boys to say at this rite of passage is they look at this animal, this bear, this lion, this wolf, this thing that wants to tear them apart, they look at them and they say, you go no further, Not one more step. This is as far as you go. And men, here's the hope I want to give you today. And women, here's the hope I want you to take with you today. Because of what's true about Jesus, today can be the from now on moment where everything changes. Men, it is true. You have been hunted by something, right, that wants to take you out. And because the Holy Spirit is alive within you, you can look back at our enemy and say, today you go no further. This is it. This is as far as you go. Men, because of Jesus, women, because of Jesus, today can be the from now on that you get to live out of for the rest of your life. the other rite of passage is in the Apache nation, the Apache tribe. And they do this thing with boys where they take them and they strip them naked and they go out into the wilderness. Again, the wilderness, the woods, that's where, that's where animals hide. That's where creatures live. And they stand them on a tree stump naked and they blindfold them. And they have to stand on this tree stump, blindfolded, facing the wilderness, facing th- this darkness, right, that, where, where all of the bad things live, where all of the creatures that want to take them apart, where, where those things, they have to stand there all night long in the darkness, blindfolded, and not move. Boys, if you want to become men, here's what you have to do. Stand naked, expose no weapons, nothing to defend yourself with, blindfolded, face the darkness, Don't move. And men, some of us, that's how we feel. We feel like we've been, whether it was something that happened in our past or someone hurt us or maybe abandoned us, or maybe it's even something recent where someone told us, whatever, right? They just cut us to the core. We feel like we've been left alone, naked, blindfolded, staring into the darkness, just waiting for the moment when whatever it is is going to take us apart and tear us in half. We have no weapons. We have no means of defending ourselves. We are naked and exposed. But here's the cool thing in in this Apache rite of passage. The boys, they're not allowed to take their blindfolds off until they can see the sun coming through their blindfolds the next day. And when they take their blindfolds off, here's what they find. Their fathers are standing next to them the whole time. With a spear, with an arrow, bows and arrows, ready to defend their kids. Men, no matter how dark it feels like it's been, your father has never left you. He's never left your side. And he has defended you, and he will continue to defend you for the rest of your life. Some of us, we just need to take off the blindfold and realize that we're not alone. So I want to give you some hope today, men, and women, and kids. Today can be your from now on. And men, even though you feel like, man, there's no way God wants me, there's no way God's given up on me a long time ago, you know what, he hasn't. He has stood next to you through the darkest moments, the darkest times of your, li- of your life. And you may not have even known he was there, but he never left because that's who he is. So I'm going to pray for us. And today, if you need prayer, I would love to meet you down front. We can pray. Uh, today, if, if you want to join our church family, we'd love to chat with you about what that looks like. If today you want to say yes to Jesus, would love to chat with you about that. I'm going to pray. We're going to worship. We're going to sing one more song. Let's pray together. Jesus, you're good, and we love you. We praise you that because of your grace, because of your mercy, we're never alone. Even in the darkest seasons, in the darkest moments of our lives, you never leave our side. Why? Because you say you won't. And that's who you are. You're, you, you are not someone who changes their character. You don't shift, you don't go, ah, I'm changing my mind. I know I said I'd be with you the whole of every moment, but you know what, time out. I don't think so. No, because that's who you are, that's who you are. So Father, today I pray that we will take off the blindfold and begin to look you in the eye and know that you're there to defend us and protect us. Jesus, today I pray that, that because of your spirit inside of us that we can look at Satan, the enemy that wants to take and steal and kill and destroy and look him in the eye and say, today you go no further. You cannot take anything more from me. This is it. You're done. Father, I pray for the conversations that are going to happen in bedrooms, around kitchen tables, car rides home, living rooms on couches. Father, that that we would begin to, like we said last week, be a church that when people look at us, they, they see Jesus. Because we step into and we lean into who we're designed and created to be and all the roles and expectations that come with that. Spirit, help us be strong and courageous, to stand firm, to be brave, to act like men, and let all that we do be done in love. Should we pray? Amen. Jesus, stand with us.